0: hey everybody welcome back to not if i reboot you first a podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before hollywood has the chance to i'm Lindsay, and i'm tanner and uh, unfortunately it is just the two of us again you're you're stuck with us um our friend jackie unfortunately had to pull out at the last minute she's fine it's just scheduling is in our sometimes
1: yeah man plans and god laughs
0: exactly (laughs) trying to organize things between like Two provinces and three very different schedules between like shift work and almost normal hours of work and then just full-on freelance.
1: Yeah, that's... (laughs) I'm pretty sure there have been more successful stuff done.
0: um, So, but we have received her blessing to go on with our original topic. So we are talking about... Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, and the Krungus of Grungus.
1: (laughs) Oh, the discourse that is Harry Potter.
0: Oh, the destruction of the entire Harry Potter canon.
1: Yeah. J.K. Rowling, did you really have to follow George Lucas's path?
0: The god wizarding revisionist history over here. Which is kind of what we're going to do, but for good, not for evil.
1: So today we're going to be discussing where the problems have come from, what possible solutions there are, because this series is salvageable.
0: Yes, although I think we can debate on how far back we have to go to salvage it.
1: Yeah. Because uh, Lindsay's going to get a bit tinfoil hatty at certain points.
0: Go for it. I I love that hat.
1: (laughs) It is my best hat. (laughs) Uh it doesn't help that I have been listening to conspiracy podcasts. So
0: I mean we're in the wizarding world so anything goes. It's magic. We can yeah. do whatever we want. We don't yeah. have to explain it.
1: <laughs> Unlike some people, there is such thing as over explaining stuff and taking away the magic from the magic. Anyway, the topic I can hand is of course Fantastic Beasts the Crimes of Grindelwald, which is a very divisive movie now within the Harry Potter Greater Wizarding World franchise. A lot of people didn't like it, especially the reviewers. A lot of people did like it. Fanon split pretty 50-50 on this. And I'm just going to say... I don't front, think
0: it's... I think it's more like 80-20 against.
1: <laughs> um, or maybe
0: I'm just following the right people on social media.
1: Yeah. Like, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the general audience was um 67 fresh which isn't great but it's not like everybody hated it so i would say the actual the fandoms probably split split somewhere in like the 60 40 to 70 30 range okay yeah and it's one of those things where i think if you were going in liking everything in the first fantastic beast movie you were going to like this movie anyway
0: I don't even know that even, because I I gathered some notes from some of my friends, um, both on and offline, and my one friend did say that she absolutely loved everything about the first Fantastic Beasts, and she almost walked out of Crimes of Grindelwald.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know, maybe it's just from, like, my perusal of the tags on Tumblr. I I don't know, but I think, yeah, the split's somewhere more in the 70-30 range against. And... Uh, how. I didn't like the movie. I thought. I agree with a lot of the critics. I thought that there were way too many characters and way too many plots, and it wasn't like confusing to follow, but dear God, nothing had room. Absolutely nothing had room, and I thought that, you know, there's probably. You could get two, three different properties out of this by themselves, and they would still be pretty good.
0: See, I was kind of hoping when we first got the Fantastic Beasts movie that, like, the follow-up would be Quidditch Through the Ages, and it'd be, like, a sports movie, but Quidditch. Yeah. It'd be Quidditch Mighty Ducks.
1: (laughs) Quidditch Remember the Titans. Quidditch... Um... Man, this is where we need Ryan to list sports movies.
0: Yeah. Um... Sorry, I'm a bit distracted because I'm composing a little game that we can play near the end of this episode.
1: <laughs> okay. So instead, what we got was a continuation from the last movie, specifically the whole reveal that about Grendival being in America and apparently being a cop the entire time and also being Johnny Depp. Ugh. We'll get to Johnny Depp.
0: Johnny Depp is bad. That's.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Crimes of Grindelwald, it's basically Nuke gets tasked with tracking down Grindelwald and Credence is apparently alive, and they never explain that. And nothing else really happens. Oh yeah, Queenie Turns to the Dark Side.
0: Yeah, I heard about this. see I never saw any of the Fantastic Beasts movies. So everything I know is we hear say I not did you even watch the Crimes of Grunglesnorf?
1: No, I've only seen the first movie on Netflix. Oh okay. and like the first movie is fine, but it kind of suffers from. You ever watch Super Eight?
0: Yes, I did watch Super Eight. Yeah,
1: actually. yeah, like I, I enjoyed saw... it,
0: but I get why people found it a bit kind of disappointing.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, for those who don't remember Super Eight, um, it it was basically like a proto Stranger Things. Okay. And or, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because like a I bunch don't know of why kids. I said
0: that. I was like, "Oh, really? Is it like yeah, yes, it is." Tara, you just said you saw it.
1: The big problem with that movie was that you have the plot with the kids and the plot with the monster, and they were supposed to meet up at the climax or be a bit more intertwined.
0: Yeah, they did. they, they didn't so much intertwine as just be two completely separate movies running headlong across the same t- train tracks and then just smash into each other at the end.
1: Yeah, and that's what I felt was the problem with uh, Fantastic with the first Fantastic Beast movie is that you have Newt's story and you have Credence's story and they don't really mesh until the very end. And Credence dies anyway and then poof he's back because for a while I almost thought that the Flash movie got cancelled or delayed. Uh, the the it's Flash still slated movie, for 2020, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's going through heavy rewrites. I think that's like
0: the fifth date change, though. Yeah. Ezra Miller was, to set the timeline for you, Ezra Miller was announced as the movie Flash the, on the day that the trailer for the Flash TV show dropped. Oh. That was five years ago.
1: So, we'll see if he's sticking around, or if the reason why they brought back Credence was because they needed to somehow fulfill whatever contract he's got with WB.
0: You did mention that WB just should not be making cinematic universes.
1: Yeah, they just... uh Short of firing everybody at the top, I don't think they're going to fix a whole lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. They, uh Every, every single movie company wants to make their own cinematic universe, but they don't understand how Marvel... We had the same discussion back in The Mummy. They, yeah. they want their cinematic universe just to like automatically exist already on the same level of Marvel. They don't even realize that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was like stealth mode. The whole thing was like under wraps for the first three years anyways.
1: Yeah. Whereas Warner Brothers... Um, First of all, they were under pressure to make a uh, Superman movie from the Siegel family because um, I think the deadline was about they had to have something greenlit by 2009 or Warner Brothers is going to have to pay extra royalties to them. Mm -hmm. And they had been struggling with coming up with a Superman movie for a while. And they had that one Superman Returns, which got panned because it was kind of boring. And then I've, they, I don't
0: think I've ever seen a full Superman movie.
1: I've seen the original Richard Donner one. And that's I've seen like, it.
0: I've seen chunks of the first three.
1: Part of it, too, is that they've been struggling under the shadow of Richard Donner and Christopher Reeve. And they just need to shake that somehow. Like it's been 40 years. Come on. Mm-hmm. Like Superman should not be this hard, but apparently it is. And they kicked it over to Zack Snyder and gave him carte blanche. And it, probably the major reason why, amongst many of other of Zack Snyder's problems that, that I personally have with him as a director, is that you shouldn't give him all the money.
0: Yeah, for sure. I don't think Zack Snyder even understands how superhero movies work.
1: He didn't come into superhero comics until like his late teens and his introduction was like Watchmen.
0: <clears throat> I mean, to be fair, that is kind of how I went too. Yeah, but, but I still like I knew enough about the concept of superheroes that I was like, well, "This is really grim. This isn't really what I'm looking for."
1: Yeah, whereas Watchmen was more up his alley. Like, no, it wasn't Watchmen. I think it was like Judge Dredd and more the darker Judge
0: Dredd, Sin City.
1: Yeah, that the Frank Miller stuff. Mm-hmm. Which okay, yeah, they're classics, but like they don't really represent comic books specifically the superhero genre that well
0: yeah like the reason they went off so well is because they were kind of the antithesis to what people expected so it's like oh it's this crazy new thing
1: yeah like they came after they were the deconstruction after the zaniness of the silver age and the zaniness of the golden age where everything was a lot simpler and we were talking about comics marketed towards kids
0: Mm mm-hmm and this was like a turning point. It was like, oh, what if we sold them to adults? And yeah, but they've never looked back, and that's why the comic books industry is crashing.
1: The superhero comic book industry. Okay, yeah, that, that's... Yeah. yeah. We got to qualify that. Yes. If we're talking about graphic novels and just indie publishers, they're doing fine.
0: Indie publishers and graphic novels are great because they know to include the Bicon of the Week. Yeah. Lindsay, can we... Harvest any Bicons of the Week from the cringe of Brinkeldorf,
1: Maybe Lita Lestrange? No. Oh, no. I forgot
0: there are Lestranges in this.
1: Yeah, because...
0: Lestranger things.
1: <sighs> okay, so we should actually talk about...
0: What the fuck happens in this movie? Ugh. So, let me share some of the commentary that I did get from people who I asked. I asked my friends Brandy and Raven, who are the ones who went to see the movie. Yeah. And, like, they were the ones who nearly walked out. They did talk about how they went to opening night, and there were nine people there, including them. Oh! Two (laughs) separate people were asleep. Oh, no! And they did see one family walk out.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Um... Raven referred to it as head-boggling. Not just the mind, but the entire head. Yeah. Um. They did not like Johnny Depp on principle, but they especially didn't like Grindelwald when in his first scene, he yeets a chupacabra off of a carriage.
1: <laughs> yeah, I heard about that happening.
0: Shannon Maynor, at uh, Shannon Maynor Art on Twitter, said that the idea of a Hufflepuff hero saving the day without violence and caring about the smaller things in the world rules, and Newt deserves better movies. Yes. Just... The uh, general idea of hitting everyone's hands with a spoon any time they try to touch something they already established, <laughs> and then Vigil yeah. at half vigilante said, "Yeah, sure is
1: retconny." Yeah, you know, it was about the same amount of time when George Lucas started retconning Star Wars.
0: No, no, the Star Wars retcons were years ago.
1: No, I'm talking about like the same amount of time had passed between like the end oh, of the okay. first trilogy and. Before the the prequels started.
0: The Harry Potter books did come out around that time.
1: Yeah. So it's like,
0: like J.Q. is writing Harry Potter and l- watching the Star Wars prequels. And she's like, oh, yes, I'm going to write these books. And then 10 years from now, I can <laughs> change everything. Because everyone loves this.
1: Yeah. I do kind of want to do an in-depth look into the pop culture scene prior to Harry Potter. Because I'm pretty sure that there was a good buildup towards this. Because I got some... Things about J.K. Rowling and the fandom that surrounds her and her defenders.
0: Man, we could do an entire podcast on, like, the history of middle grade.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'd have to hunt down so many scholastic books from the used bookstores.
1: There are so many used bookstores around here in Ottawa. It's fantastic. So, anyway, J.K. Rowling and how she became a god empress.
0: Yes, basically. She is able to write things really well in a vacuum.
1: Yeah, like honestly, I'm just going to say it right here this is sacrilege to many people but she is no better than any other YA middle grade writer out there. She's like near the top of the pack but she isn't the best.
0: Okay. Um I would argue that she definitely started stronger.
1: Yeah. And, and she I've... was
0: able she was able to Uh, tweak her writing style so that it could age up with the readers I would say because the first Harry Potter book is solid middle grade
1: yeah and then by the end
0: they're definitely YA
1: yeah and like she had especially in the earlier books they had a very Roald Dahl-esque style which oh yeah you know given probably her influences she probably read Roald Dahl when she was a kid Mm mm-hmm Uh, It almost seems mandatory for British kids She probably, yeah she did read uh, The Chronicles of Narnia And um, J.R.R. Tolkien stuff And like Okay, remember way back In the day when like those Christian fundies were being Like oh Harry Potter It's satanic, it's gonna teach kids witchcraft And all that The minister at my church Actually used Harry Potter As a way to teach the, The story of Christ huh yeah this is also when we had like the really cool um padre because he was also a reservist with uh, the okay. army went over to afghanistan super cool guy and then he got transferred to another church and we got the human version of nyquil
0: oh boy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got taught statistics by a human version of nyquil yeah <laughs> also teaching teaching the christian allegory the Harry Potter Christian allegory, I don't think it really started until the last book, so it would be really hard to teach it when the series was just beginning.
1: I think it's the whole persecution thing that everybody, can't, that a lot of Christians kind of forget about the whole, Oh yeah, Jesus and his parent, well his mom and his stepdad, got kicked out of Israel and had to go to Egypt for a while, and then they came back and were dirt fucking poor for a while. And
0: Catch me at the local church using goosebumps to teach y'all about the, about <laughs> transubstantiation. <laughs> <laughs> and Slappy the dummy pulled out a can of monster blood and said this is my body
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I should write yeah. like goosebumps down
1: <laughs> yeah
0: see this like I was telling you off camera I have like 17 different ideas for Halloween shows
1: I know well there's some. for someone who
0: does ideas. not like horror I sure love things that are horror adjacent
1: well you know horror doesn't have to be gore and ridiculously scary stuff.
0: Sometimes horror can be Johnny Depp in bright white hair and makeup.
1: Oh, yeah. So basically, to sum up what happened in the actual movie after yeah, 15,
0: what because we didn't go see the movie. We don't want to give Johnny Depp our money. <sighs> we don't want to give J.K.R. Rowling money, or, anyways. Uh, basically,
1: what happens Sh- in the movie is Nuke gets tasked with finding Grindelwald by who? Dumbledore why because the big reveal the big twist at the end amongst all of the other exposition at the end because goddamn, jk why do you have to write a script like you're writing a fucking novel um yeah that's another problem this would have worked as a book um, what it though not really it, it would be heavy <laughs> heavy editing that i think that's where jk went wrong somewhere around the fourth book she like fired her editor
0: Uh, Yeah, I do remember you mentioning that. Uh, That I can see. Yeah. So, anyway. What if if Warner Brothers, being Warner Brothers, just had Zack Snyder come aboard to help direct Mm. Fantastic Beasts 3?
1: That fight, that ego fight, would be epic.
0: And in slow motion.
1: Yeah. With a couple of speed-ups, the skies would be all, like, bronze. Gerard Butler would somehow be there. Which I actually wouldn't mind. Look, 300 is a completely trashy movie, but it gave us nearly naked Gerard Butler.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I I can see the appeal. I keep forgetting that he's American.
1: No, he's Scottish.
0: Oh, he is Scottish. Yeah. Oh, so I'm not completely off base whenever I refer to him as Gerard.
1: Yeah, he is Gerard. (laughs) Also, watch Coriolanus. That's where he really shines. He actually can handle Shakespeare very well. Yeah. So anyway, the big climax, the big reason why Newt gets sent to take out Grindelwald and Credence is back somehow from the dead. And as it turns out, oh yeah, big spoiler, Credence is supposedly a Dumbledore. Um, He's the
0: lost Dumbledore. I did. I was trying to parse out how that happened. Apparently, Lita Lestrange got annoyed with her infant child crying so she gave it to the dumbledore like traded babies with someone and then yeah. one baby died
1: yeah on a boat trip and people keep calling it the titanic but it couldn't have been the titanic because as far as this timeline is concerned is about a decade too soon
0: it's the wizarding titan the titanic was already a ghost
1: <sighs> you know what i'm the
0: titanic was nagini the whole time
1: oh yeah nagini we'll get to fucking nagini um and how Utterly pointless she is in this movie, and I am very upset because Claudia but it's the Kim... story of ever... it's the story everyone wanted to know. I am upset because Claudia Kim is such a she's too good of an actress to be in this. I don't know what to call it.
0: Drek. She needed money for a new car.
1: Yeah, she wanted me... to
0: refurbish her bathroom.
1: You know what? She's probably trying to move into Gangnam over in Seoul. Yeah, we all remember that song Gangnam Style. Um, I used to work with a Korean woman who actually lived near Gangnam, and she's like, yeah, it's super, super expensive and super, super bougie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it fulfills every stereotype you can think of when it comes uh. to crazy rich Asians.
0: <laughs> Opa, Opa- Pure bud Style.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I'm just going to call bullshit on the whole Credence is a Dumbledore thing. I, don- I don't even care if uh Rowling decides that it is.
0: Because you don't get... The, the the joy that you felt for Harry Potter died with this movie.
1: Yeah. Like, okay, I still got the books. And I still got fanfic. And I still have, like, ideas for fanfic. And I'm one of those people who really enjoys elsewhere fic. Like, I I am bored to death with the main Harry Potter stuff. I don't want to do another retread of the seven years at Hogwarts, but Harry is a Slytherin. That is boring. Give me some founder's Fix. Give me some historical, historically accurate founder's fix.
0: Here, Here's my two desires for Harry Potter fan fiction. I mean, I always like fics where it's just normal-ass kids trying to survive the Harry Potter trio's antics. Yeah. <laughs> that is fun. <laughs> Which I, I very much picture as that one vine of the cellos. you just like... Where the fuck are we? And that's them. That's all the other Hogwarts students. They're just like, what's what's going on? I, I don't understand. What the hell? Very fucking... Oh, my God. My life
1: has a background now.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, my other desire is uh, the Hogwarts founders, but in the style of all new X-Men, where they get... the teen- Their teenage versions get teleported to the main... Like, the modern era. Oh. And they're just like, what the fuck is going on?
1: We didn't plan this. <laughs> yeah. And... Like my other desires. Oh, just... Salazar
0: would be furious, considering that you're, you're you you canon you headcanon him as like being um what was it? I'm trying to f- remember the right terms. Like
1: okay, what <laughs> my headcanons Moroccan,
0: like immigrated from like through from the um, Middle East through Morocco was one of them that you suggested.
1: Well, going by name etymology. And the fact that Rowling did spend time in Portugal before writing Harry Potter, she got the name Salazar from a river in Spain, and I'm like, well, Salazar, I actually did like the whole etymology thing, and it's actually a Basque word. So the Basque country, it's actually, um, it's an area that borders northern Spain and crosses into France. And the Basque people are pretty interesting because their language is a language isolate, so Nobody knows what else, what other languages it's related to. It it's not Spanish. It's not French. They share no nothing in common with those languages. Uh, that's they have a, a pretty, wizard
0: language. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they have a pretty unique culture. They got their own pre-Christian mythology. That's pretty cool. Oh, awesome! Yeah, and uh, because at the time. Okay, so I have stated in other places over a thousand years ago, very vague term in historical terms. I've always pegged some time between like the late 700s to early 900s. So that would be a good time for when the Moors had invaded Spain. And then he also got all the different infighting between the different kingdoms. And basically my headcanon for Salazar Slytherin was that he was a Mason and he was involved in an, in a Gnostic uh, sect. Okay. So the, pop culture definition of the gnostics they were the weird mystical branch of christianity that got stamped out yeah during the middle ages
0: and persona loves gnosticism god yeah. if i if you had a nickel for every time demiurge shows up you'd probably only have a dollar because yeah. there aren't actually that many the point being gnosticism went it's wild. Weird. Yeah, Um, and... uh, the uh, the other point being that Salazar Slytherin would not have stood for all of this bullshit bigotry that Slytherin House had become.
1: Yeah, like, my idea was that he was kind of like a proto... He was trying to become like a proto-Ubermensch, in a way. Yeah, I had been reading Nietzsche.
0: But like, he... Like, I remember you, maybe, I can't remember if it was me or you who suggested this, but like, like the Slytherin idea of, like, pure bud empowerment is a mutation and a misunderstanding of him trying to, like, protect the wizarding world from muggles.
1: Yeah, um, probably and because- from
0: persecution, that would have come from that era's kind of not understanding of what wizards are and what they can do.
1: Yeah, and like, this was long, long before, like, the actual witch trials happened. So I got a big bugbear when it comes to a lot of people uh, when they write fanfiction or even in canon when they refer to the witch trials because that was a late Middle Ages, early modern thing. Because the witch trials in Europe, first of all, extremely Western European phenomenon.
0: Mm-hmm. So basically the Harry Potter universe, either you need a history degree to write that properly or you need to try and just divorce it from reality altogether.
1: Yeah, that's why... JK,
0: JK, like I said, JK kind of writes in a vacuum. As soon as she tries to connect like Wizarding World stuff to real world events, it all starts to fall apart because it doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, and like you have this apparently super isolated population that still has to interact with the Muggle world. And doesn't know anything about it, but like for the past hundred years, like how could you not know what's been going on? We kind of like force you to pay attention. Yeah. For your own safety.
0: If wizards were like, if Harry Potter wizards existed, we would have found them by now. So if wizards do exist, they are so much better than Harry Potter wizards.
1: My headcanon in the Harry Potter universe. For sure, the world's intelligence agencies know about wizards and have been keeping an eye on them and have been fucking around with them because you know the CIA would love to get their hands on the Imperius curse. They probably, in this universe, do have their own Manchurian agents. Oh, there, that's there not a pro- fun idea. Yeah, there are probably. Jason Bourne takes place in the same universe as Harry Potter. There.
0: Oh, there. Let's write that fanfic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Winter Soldier program probably also existed too.
0: Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that one I can dig actually. Yeah. Um, so we've been going for over half an hour. We still have not determined how we're actually rebooting. Are we rebooting all I... of Harry Potter or are we just rebooting the crimes of Krang Dangler?
1: Uh, Fantastic Beasts, let's just I'm fine with the Harry Potter movies themselves. And the Harry Potter universe is something that <sighs> JK really needs to let go of her ego and just, like, allow for other writers to come in because, as you said, she writes great in a vacuum if she when she's just paying attention to the Wizarding World, which almost makes you think that the Wizarding World is in its own dimension at this point. <laughs> it might as well be.
0: I would hope so, for everything they get up to.
1: Yeah, because it's either that or Britain and at least the Wizarding U.S are super ridiculously isolated and everybody else is just like living in a normal urban fantasy sort of life you know like a harry dresden novel Mm -hmm. so anyway the thing with fantastic beasts is that you need to split apart newt's story from the dumbledore grindelwald stuff
0: if we want to tell the dumbledore grindelwald stuff at all
1: yeah like, like, when
0: they announced Fantastic Beasts, I thought it was going to be all about the Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. That's what I was initially interested in seeing. Yeah. I saw someone say that it should have been the wizarding version of Crocodile Hunter, and I would love to see that yeah. movie.
1: I've been saying this should have been, like, Indiana Jones, but with zoology, basically. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's basically what you do. The Indiana Jones series, like a whole bunch of other series until fairly recently, have been fairly episodic. So, basically, all that the writers have to do is do some actual research into various mythical animals, legendary animals, cryptids, whatever, and then craft the story around that. Maybe you have some overarching hallmarks, and maybe you slowly start to create a bit of a myth arc about uh, Newt in particular.
0: Well you can have the cast develop as he like he gathers friends and allies as he travels around the world. Like not yeah. just even to New York, but he could like go all over the place. Go deep into the hidden wilderness.
1: Yeah. Like go down to the jungles of South America. Go into the deserts of Central Asia. Go to Africa. Go go wherever. This is your big budget travel log, basically.
0: Gather all of these monstrous allies. Oh god, Newt's a Pokemon trainer.
1: Yeah. Like, fuck, the first movie came out around the same time that Pokemon Go really became a thing.
0: We could have had Fantastic Beasts Go, but instead we have that other mobile game that I never played.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, like the first movie, because you can also have the Dumbledore Grindelwald stuff. But I would say because uh, Warner Brothers does have a streaming service that they want to get started. I think they're going to launch it next year. Oh,
0: God, not another one.
1: I know. No one's
0: going to watch it.
1: Okay. So, DC
0: Universe is going to crash and burn in two years. Mark my words.
1: Or if there was an executive with a, actually a couple of brain cells between his head, sell it to Netflix, which mm-hmm. people do actually watch because that was one of the first streaming services that people signed up for.
0: Everyone has a Netflix account, either yeah. Netflix or Hulu.
1: Yeah, Netflix or Hulu. Just sell it to this. So what you do with Dumbledore and Grindelwald, because the official lore prior to these movies was that Dumbledore didn't really do a lot between his falling out with Grindelwald and their final battle at Nurmengard. Or at least that's what we the public know. Officially. So my headcanon was always right after that whole fight at Godric's Hollow and Ariana's death and April 4th, you know, (laughs) punching... Albus in the face <laughs> for that. Basically, Grindelwald kind of vanished off the face of the earth for a while, and Dumbledore got the job at as transfiguration professor over at Hogwarts, and he kind of buried himself in all of his work, be it schoolwork or his own personal research or whatever. So yeah, he was developing a reputation for being this brilliant young wizard, but he was very tunnel-visioned because he just could not deal with everything that had happened recently. He was still processing all that. And then World War I happens and he probably loses a bunch of students because canonically speaking, a whole bunch of witches and wizards broke the uh, statute of secrecy and joined up with various armed forces to fight in the Great War. So he's probably feeling a bit guilty about that. Maybe some of them are considered missing in action or they got killed and their remains were never recovered. So he's trying to, you know, maybe he's spending a summer tracking down what happened to them or trying to make sure that they're okay if they came back but you know are thoroughly traumatized by what happened yeah um and that's where he stumbles upon grindelwald he's back he's been traveling in these weird occult circles because back back and
0: he's sexier than ever (laughs) yeah or he's he's completed his transformation into evil albert einstein
1: I want to keep him his sexy, hair, actually.
0: The, in the in the third Fantastic Beasts movie, his hair is going to be even taller. Until like by the last one, he just looks like Marge Simpson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I actually kind of part of it was my own imagination, but I do really want to have a sexy Grindelwald.
0: You want a sexy Dumbledore Grindelwald makeout scene? Yeah. <laughs> you, you you ship dumblewald
1: <laughs> not really you
0: ship grindeldorf
1: no you really, ship albert but <laughs> look look listen <laughs> i'm just saying this for the other fangirls out there okay and also we deserve better and there's like a shit ton of other actors who could have played this role a lot better like yeah my top casting is christoph Waltz, but right now he's busy playing Blofeld.
0: Did you, did you, did it ever occur to anyone that the ship name for Albus Dumbledore and Geller Grindelwald can be Albert? <laughs> Albert Potter, you are named after my OTP.
1: <laughs> Look, there's nothing sexier than two people hate fucking, so. <laughs> I will give the fandom that.
0: As she takes a huge swig of wine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'll need to, to get numb another. the pain
0: as she flashes back
1: <laughs> so anyway remember it wasn't that long ago that i actually made a big list of all the different actors who could play grendelwald better than johnny depp
0: yes you had that on twitter and i don't have the time to dig it up right now yeah. but i will definitely retweet it onto our twitter
1: yeah i i realized that i had left out a a number of actors, too, that I started thinking about that and I'm like, oh my god, I should have listed them, too. Like Michael Fassbender.
0: Oh, yes. Did yeah. you know he has the same eyes as Theodore Rex? <laughs> <laughs> That's what my Twitter header is right now.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so we've
0: got Michael Fassbender. Bangladesh um, I... Counterspell.
1: <laughs> Matt yeah. Smith. Matt Smith, yeah.
0: Tilda Switten in drag.
1: <laughs> um the guy playing uh harry on freaking charmed right now
0: oh yeah did you know he was also the kid from the first hellboy really he was like the trainee agent
1: oh wow good for him
0: yeah because i spent the first five episodes like i know you from, i know you from somewhere i've seen your twink ass before Um, John Sims as Grindelwald might be a bit on the nose because he played the master in Doctor Who. Yeah. But I feel like that's like the big resume requirement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you want to play see. the wizard tyrant, then well, I already play the Time Lord tyrant, so kind of go hand in hand.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've already listed Killian Murphy and Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy.
0: Oh, Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hardy will show up playing uh, uh, Flitwick.
1: Yeah. Um, In
0: Fantastic Beasts 3, we're going to find out that Flitwick was actually only a gnome starting in the 40s. And before that, he was a twonk. (laughs)
1: Uh, I'm going to need more. Speaking of
0: which, um, I do want to keep this around an hour because we could go on and on. Like I said, we could turn a lot of this into its own podcast. Yeah. So you, I told you to grab your dice. Do you have two D20s handy?
1: I have a D20.
0: Okay, I'll be right back. I'm going to grab my own D20. So this is a game I like to call What Are We Going to Find Out in Fantastic Beasts 3?
1: All right.
0: So, Lindsay, do you want to roll for the character or the reveal?
1: Let's do character first.
0: Okay, so you can roll character. I'll roll reveal.
1: Okay. Uh... Nineteen.
0: Alright, so in Fantastic Beasts 3, we're going to find out that Professor McGonagall is from Atlantis.
1: (laughs) Well, make more sense than her fucking cameo.
0: Wait, she had a cameo? I didn't hear anything about that.
1: Okay, so... Either Maggie Smith actually did appear or is, she was just mentioned as being there as a transfiguration professor. But yeah, the fandom is going crazy trying to figure out if that was actually her, if her date of birth has been retconned, or if that was like her mother or a relative, or whatever. And I don't fucking care because this was a fucking cynical move by Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling to elicit the nostalgia of the older fans.
0: You know what? In all seriousness, I bet McGonagall is going to show up in Fantastic Beasts 3. And yeah. she's gonna like some young hotness, and she's gonna be all over Dumbledore, and Dumbledore will be like, No, I can't. My heart is already broken. I can never love again. And they still won't make any mention of the fact that's because he's into Dick.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyway, going back to my whole I idea, heard,
0: I heard that the closest thing is that someone's like, I heard that you and Grindelwald were brothers. And he's like, We were closer than brothers. Yeah,
1: that's basically all that happens. Like, look. Um, the Dom has said it better than me, but basically we don't need to see Dumbledore roll out with four fucking oiled up bears. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some
0: really fantastic beasts.
1: (laughs) All we need to know is, is he going to pull his fucking punches when it comes to Grindelwald? Because the reason why he can't actually fight Grindelwald until 1945, apparently, is because they made a blood pact, which is the. Occult. It is like an unbreakable vow without actually being an unbreakable vow.
0: Ugh.
1: Yeah, it is the most convoluted bullshit out, out there. And I will tell you what my version of this whole Dumbledore Grindelwald thing in a TV show would have been. Great War happens over in Germany. Grindelwald still wants the wizards to rule, but. Okay, so I remember a couple of years ago reading a... No, well, it wasn't a couple of years ago. It was last year. I read uh, this one head canon that was posted on Reddit about the difference between Grindelwald and Voldemort in terms of like who they were targeting for their followers and all that. So Voldemort went for the elite of uh, British Wizarding Society because that was all about like preserving their rights in humongous quotation marks. As super privileged white people over everybody else. Yeah. Whereas I think Grindelwald would have taken a few um, notes from one Benito Mussolini's playbook and. In- go for angry disenfranchised working class people and saying no you're not the reason why everything sucks around here it's these elites who have been tied to like the old muggle elites and the jews and all that sort of stuff because he's over in germany at the time and they have they did not accept the fact that they were actually defeated
0: grindelwald made the brooms run on time
1: <laughs> Well wait this- no the
0: wizardings the wizards already have trains what am i thinking yeah He made the flu network run on time. (laughs) Um, Do you want to roll another one?
1: Sure. Five.
0: All right, five, and I got three. So in the next movie, it's going to turn out that Queenie is Romani. Oh, that's not going to work out now.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Queenie, who is a coded Jewish character, sides with the wizard Nazi.
0: Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. I yeah. did ha- hear someone point out the fact that the Deathly Hallows symbols is a wizarding swastika, basically.
1: Yeah, like, okay, yeah, I get it that the swastika was horribly appropriated by the Nazis and all that, and yeah, the Buddhists and Jains still use it, but they got a reverse swastika, which is much better, honestly, yeah. from a Western also sample. like
0: everyone all, all the groups that used it before got appropriated we were like, well, this has been associated with pretty terrible stuff now, so we're just going to cancel it.
1: Yeah, like And the, everyone was fine with that. Like uh there was oh what uh Native American group was it? I I want to say it was the Hopi. They had used a swastika for thousands of years in their art, and then when the Nazis came, because it's a really came...
0: simple geometric design. I think yeah. I was—I think I casually drew some swastikas on my notebook because oh look, lines, and then something yeah. like Tanner, that actually means a really bad thing. Like oh okay, and so instead I started drawing like spirals and stars. Actually, I think I did a hard switch and flipped to stars of David and like Tanner. Why are you drawing those? Like because triangles. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm three. I don't fucking know what shapes mean.
1: Yeah, so. Anyway, um, back to my idea for what what Dumbledore was actually doing between like the beginning of the twentieth century and the final downfall of Grindelwald. So, nineteen twenties, he's basically being Cassandra. He's got some clout, but he's got, but he doesn't have enough for uh the actual authorities to actually listen to him and be like, hey, this guy's fucking dangerous. We got that do does actually
0: that does actually track with a lot of established Harry Potter stuff because the Ministry of didn't want to believe him about Voldemort either. Yeah. They're probably still bitter about the one time he proved them wrong and now he's proved them wrong twice.
1: Yeah. So come the 1930s, uh, they got a new Minister of Magic in there who will actually listen to them because, okay, one of the Ministers of Magic, his name is Leonard Spencer Moon. And there is some speculation that he is part of the greater Spencer Churchill family of Britain okay. So the great Spencer Churchill family, for those of you who don't know, they have very close ties to the royal family because they're like the Dukes of Marlborough and the Earls of Spencer. And oh, yeah, Diana, Lady Diana was a member of their family. And also Winston Churchill is a member of their family. They're in tight with the royals. Super tight. (laughs) So there's speculation that Leonard Spencer Moon might have been a cousin of Churchill. So, World War II happens. Oh look who's going to be friendly to me saying that Grindelwald is a bad guy. <laughs> and even before World War II, like I imagine that Dumbledore is doing his damnedest to get like Jewish witches and wizards out of Germany as fast as possible. If they got kids who are like uh, not young and en- not old enough to go to either a German wizarding school because I got headcanons about like how the About
0: the one Jewish kid? <laughs> the singular Jewish kid?
1: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I I got some headcanons about like the greater like wizarding education system and all that sort of stuff that I think both you and I agree that the schools that were named are like the Ivy League schools. These schools, these are the best of the best. Um, I would
0: absolutely go to Wizarding Community College.
1: mm mm-hmm. So like, I can easily imagine that there's like wizarding one room schoolhouses out there where you have like the overworked school marm and she's gonna teach like half a dozen kids whose ages range between like 7 and 19.
0: Alright, 7th years, we're going to be learning some advanced transfiguration today and because we don't have the budget for goblets, you're going to be transfiguring the first years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would happen.
0: The seventh years will be turning the <laughs> second years into cauldrons so that the fifth years can practice their potions, which will then be tested on the third years.
1: <laughs> the crossover with Laura Ingalls Wilder. i actually familiar with that. Little House on the Prairie. Okay. Yeah, which I actually did read.
0: Nice. Yeah. Let's roll again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, seven.
0: Seven. So that means that um, the this entire time, the Sorting Hat has had cerebral palsy.
1: <laughs> okay. So anyway, 1930s, Dumbledore is actually being a pretty great guy, trying to get people out of Germany before he knows that World War Two is going to happen, no matter what anybody does. Grindelwald, he's gaining power. He's in with the Nazis and all that. And then World War Two hits... And around 1941, there's a little organization formed by Prime Minister Churchill called the Special Operations Executive, which he rather pithily said their mission was to, this is an actual quote from Churchill, set Europe ablaze.
0: Ah, damn.
1: Yeah. So their job was to basically be parachuted into Europe, gather intelligence, set up resistance cells, and blow shit up. I love this. Yeah remember how much i love x company and what it was about yeah so x company was like the best tv show that the cbc ever produced their only good tv show since the beachcombers
0: i will (laughs) say that
1: (laughs) i am gonna be that fucking ballsy of a canadian
0: take that cbc we know you're (laughs) listening yeah
1: (laughs) so uh X Company, and everybody should seek this show out. It's about a team of SOE operatives from Canada who are sent into France during World War II and fuck shit up. It is awesome. And if you watch Orphan Black, the actress who plays Delphine, uh, Evelyn Brochu Moncourt, she is the team leader.
0: Your future wife?
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. If only. She's my bi-icon.
0: Oh, um, she's the true bi of the week. Yes. Because Harry Potter is so shitty, we had to go outside of the franchise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. The rest of the series would be like... Dumbledore helping with, like, training witches and wizards to become SOE agents, because the best thing about this, too, is that they actually wouldn't be breaking the Statute of Secrecy, because there's a little piece of legislation called the Official Secrets Act that they have to sign, which basically says that everything that they do, they basically have to take to their grave, or whenever the government decides to declassify their stuff. And such as the governments don't declassify stuff, there's stuff from World War II that hasn't been classified. I learned recently, um... So in Canada, there's this big point in our history, especially our labor history, called the Winnipeg General Strike. It happened in 1919, so the 100th anniversary for that's coming up. It was this major thing that happened. It was a big game changer for labor reform in Canada because it also coincides with the first Red Scare. The police got involved bunch of people died it it, it got messy but there are still files pertaining to the winnipeg general strike that are still classified secret and this is a hundred years going on so yeah you could be a wizard and be part of a muggle spy agency because most of the stuff that you're probably gonna do you are told we can't even write about this shit (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you're gonna have to. nothing
0: you did actually happened yeah that's yeah that sounds like a much more interesting thing than whatever the hell they're doing with the Crunch a bunch, bunch a bunch.
1: Yeah, because I said what a lot of people who actually saw the film said, what a lot of reviewers have said. The big problem is you have at least two major plots going on that suffocate each other. And if they were just separated out into their own things, they could be really good.
0: Absolutely. I would watch Hex Company.
1: <laughs> yeah! Now I'm actually going to have to get... Once I got some free time, I'm actually gonna have to write some fanfic now.
0: You're gonna have to put a pinboard together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Break out uh, that
0: emergency aesthetic. Yeah. I think I think we've we've fixed it as much as we can. Yeah. There there are probably people deeper in it than us that have found even deeper rooted problems, which we would yeah. agree with wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah, like, like we we didn't even touch on on like the whole racism and sexism things that have been pervading the series since forever when you actually look at it in hindsight
0: well i mean it's it's not that racist because um if you look to the rumors for fantastic base 3 you'll find that um tom riddle is actually what number did you get four tom riddle's gay that uh, that's that's too basic (laughs) we're getting all the basic ones 20 uh, the Wamping Willow is Kryptonian. <laughs> it's a crossover.
1: I'm up for a crossover.
0: Credence is actually the Flash who ran too fast and went back in time and then got amnesia.
1: Actually, there is a really good crossover um, out there. It is a fanfic. Um, it's called Child of the Storm. Uh, it's by, what's his name? Nimbus Llewellyn. I think it's on fanfiction.net. Um, basically, it's a crossover with Harry Potter and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Harry is the son of Thor.
0: Oh, I was about to say those are all pretty common, but actually that I could get behind.
1: Yeah. And on on paper, a lot of what Harry becomes does sound like God mode suit. But Nimbus Llewellyn actually manages to make this like really believable. And there's a lot of drawbacks to his powers. And yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Hey, speaking of uh, Nimbus, did you know that this entire time, Harry Potter's Nimbus 2000 Broom is actually a Niffler?
1: (laughs) I can dig that. Oh, yeah, we totally forgot about Newt, because everybody forgets about Newt. (laughs) So, I'm going to say it right now, I like Newt. I do like Newt. I think he deserves his own franchise. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while. i was like D- isn't this his own own?" oh i know i guess not
1: yeah yeah this Look, this franchise is chopped that... up
0: between so many other people that it's no one's franchise
1: yeah and like the producers have even said that newt might not be appearing in later films so
0: but then it would just be an average beasts movie
1: yeah so anyway like the general plot you know fairly episodic you take a cryptid you can start the story around it and newt gains friends along the way so you got like tina who's eventually going to become his wife that is in canon and you got jacob i think queenie queenie needs to be revamped or just completely cut because she is utterly useless like there's nothing interesting about her at all
0: but now she's evil still bored and then in the in the next movie, we're going to find out she's going to get blood cursed and we're going to find out she'll turn into a hippogriff. And oh, she was Buckbeak the whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Anyway, I was thinking about recasting Jacob because I was thinking Rolly has this issue with pairing up like it's the whole trope of ugly guy hot wife sort of thing.
0: Let me break in here and say that book Ron is so much better than movie Ron, and I don't appreciate yeah. people using movie Ron to justify why book Ron shouldn't have gotten with book Hermione.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is very true. Because she was like Legolas, okay? Remember in the in the Lord of the Rings movie where they made him into the absolute badass?
0: Oh yes.
1: Yeah, she basically she was basically the Harry Potter equivalent of Legolas.
0: I barely remember the Lord of the Rings books, let alone the movie. <laughs>
1: I'm going to have to rewatch the movies. Because I also want to read The Silmarillion at some point. I bought a hard copy of it from the used bookstore not far from here.
0: Good luck with that. That's a fucking brick I could not get through.
1: Well, how old were you when you got your copy of The Silmarillion?
0: Ah, grade seven. Yeah, that's not a good time to
1: read The Silmarillion.
0: No, probably not. Yeah. It's a good thing I wasn't born a few years earlier, or I would have be expected to have read all of J.R.R. Tolkien stuff in high school, and I would be absolutely miserable, and not even the nerds would want to talk to me. Yeah. I'd be so. Yeah, to... no,
1: like, okay, the Silmarillion is more for someone like me who has actually, you know, read Homer. So yeah,
0: yeah, because the Silmarillion is not a novel; it's a textbook.
1: Yeah. Basically. Um. Anyway, I was thinking about rebuilding Queenie and Jacob, because. They fall into that trope of the actor who plays Jacob. He's great. He's fine. But there's this whole thing that, you know, if you've watched enough sitcoms, especially U.S. and Canadian sitcoms, it's just like a thing. And it's like, JK, why did you have to fall for that one too?
0: And we're not saying that, like, guys who fall below the standard of society's acceptance of male, uh... Attractiveness? Yeah, male... Guys who don't match society's standards for male attractiveness, we're not saying that you can't get a conventionally attractive partner... But it's like when it happens in movies, it's not because of like, oh, they have a genuine emotional connection and like they like each other and have chemistry. It's like a very unexceptional guy ending up with like this amazing, fantastic girl.
1: Yeah. And Queenie is like super close to being the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. So close. So I'm like, hey, let's do a Brienne and Jamie here. Let's make Queenie kind of the unconventional-looking woman at the very least. Wait, so
0: is, so is Queenie now played by Gwendolyn Christie? Why not? No, if or, Gwendolyn Christie shows up as young McGonagall, I could dig that, even yeah. though it would absolutely make no sense.
1: Yeah, because honestly, I've already cast young McGonagall as, like, Haley Atwell.
0: Oh, yeah, I can dig that, too.
1: Yeah, or we find some other actress out there who is just, like, not conventionally attractive whatsoever but she's got she's still got like a upbeat personality about that maybe like the actress who played etta candy in um wonder woman
0: oh yeah that would also be a good one
1: yeah and then you switch jacob for someone like channing tatum he's also got charisma and screen presence and can also play like the hand solo to newt's luke skywalker like I, know, I,
0: just... I, w- I would kind of prefer that original Jacob actor to stay in. Because once again, like I don't know, we don't want to be swapping out one conventionally average person for just another person just of a different gender. <sighs> I, uh,
1: I, I get that. As it's...
0: someone who looks mediocre, no, I you're would handsome. Like to see... Oh, I would like to see more mediocre people on screen.
1: I know. But at the same time, like, we don't get to see a lot of mediocre-looking women paired up with good-looking guys.
0: The, I do get that. Although, yeah. in in that case, I would like to say, with all of those kinds of tropes, it's always the guy falling for the girl in spite of her physical stuff instead yeah, of because that's, of
1: it. It should be about, like, hey, we actually connect. And well no, I want it to
0: be like, hey, I'm Link Larkin, and I wanna fuck Tracy Turnblad. It's not just her personality. Her personality yeah. is great, and the fact that she is pro integration is great, and she's fat and she looks good.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, if we don't have Queenie, because honestly, Queenie's character is the most disposable. Like if probably you probably were...
0: why she turned evil. They just didn't know what to do with her.
1: Yeah. Because, okay, I was watching this one reviewer and he brought up this story about um. It was a Kevin Smith movie, and I forget what it was called, but Bruce Willis was in it.
0: The only Kevin Smith thing I can think of, and doesn't even have Bruce Willis, it's just a grassy.
1: (laughs) So, um, at one point, Bruce Willis takes the script away from Kevin Smith, and just straight up, starts ripping out pages, and is like, we don't need this, this is chaff, this is fluff, don't need this, don't need this, don't need this. It was still not a great movie, but he probably saved it from being a really terrible movie.
0: Wait, did that happen in real life or did that happen in the movie?
1: That happened in real life.
0: Okay, because it is Kevin Smith, so I wasn't sure if the movie just ground to a halt halfway through so Bruce Willis, (laughs) the actor, could show up to fix the script.
1: (laughs) But yeah, anyway, I wish someone on set just grabbed the script out of J.K. Rowling's hands and started ripping out pages. That might have helped it. It wouldn't have saved it. But it would have helped. yeah. and unfortunately, Queenie is one of those characters who you could completely take out and lose nothing. Even in the first movie, you could completely take her out and you would lose nothing. So I've been listening to I will Fight you and Yay. yeah, I've um, just started
0: their backlog. I listen I listened to Swan yeah. Princess last night.
1: Okay, I haven't gone to Swan Princess yet, but I did listen to their episode about the uh, Riker Han Solo archetype. Oh, okay. Because it doesn't really have, like, a proper name. hmm But basically, it's like the roguish romantic hero written for women by women kind of thing. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is that you have someone who on paper, you know, he kind of doesn't really play by the rules, but he's really romantic and he actually, you know, listens to women and um, is a bit of a dork, but also is like really good looking and all that. And I'm like, okay, so for the first Fantastic Beast movie, if we were to somehow rip this away from J.K. Rowling's cold dead hands (laughs) and reboot this, at least I would. Cast a more good-looking, more charismatic character to play Jacob Kowalski and change what he does. I was thinking, okay, 1920s. What are some of the, the hallmarks of the 1920s, especially in the States at this time? Gangsters. Speakeasies. Illegal booze. So the premise for this movie and how the Fantastic Beasts get out of the suitcase and start wreaking havoc all over New York is when Newt gets off the boat. His luggage just so happens to look like a piece of luggage that has a whole bunch of cash that's supposed to go to some mobsters.
0: He gets that
1: piece of luggage. They get the one with the Fantastic Beasts. They open it up when they get to wherever they're supposed to be to check on it to make sure that the stuff is there. The gangsters get a face full of Fantastic Beasts. And it's like, what's all this money? (laughs) And so we get like a foot chase across New York and probably outside of New York where the gangsters are trying to track down their money because maybe they, I don't know. It's the Kind of like connect the dots sort of thing between those two. And Newt encounters an FBI agent because the FBI was around at the time named Jacob Kowalski. He's played by Channing Tatum here.
0: (laughs) You just want to look at Channing Tatum.
1: (laughs) Yes. Also, he's bi. So we can have some actual bisexual representation in this movie. Yay. Because dear God, we don't see enough bi guys unless they're fucking villains. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Kevin Spacey.
0: It's it's bad.
1: Yeah, it's really <laughs> bad. We need some positive male bisexual, male pansexual representation.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: Yeah. So basically the first movie is just like them trying to outrun the mobsters. Jacob's trying to bust them because this is prohibition. And then you also get Tina in there. She's still an Aurora And of course, she's been alerted to... Oh, there's been a whole bunch of Fantastic Beasts ravaging New York all all over the place. Fuck me, I'm the newbie. Yeah, <laughs> she is Proby. You get the shit jobs, Tina. <laughs> Thanks.
0: <laughs> no, I had this written down as one that was going to be you and me together, but you've very much taken point, and I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> well, I'm like, just play into certain um film genre archetypes really so this one would be like a classic gangster movie yeah like a light-hearted gangster movie like the more fun gangster movie this is all this would be like a kid-friendly goodfellas in a way goodfellas or a, a kid-friendly
0: good untouchables
1: wizards. so at the end like because i want tina and uh jacob to be Like, they form a main trio, almost like a Han-Luke-Leia sort of situation. But instead of, like, Luke and Leia turn out to be twins, and it's kind of awkward because you remember that Instead, one of them
0: turns out to be a long-lost Dumbledore sibling.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah, they're all just, you know, unrelated all that sort of stuff, so it's not that awkward. So the Han and the... Oh god, (laughs) this analogy kind of broke down. Um, (laughs) but, like, personality archetypes there. That's what I'm trying to say that they are. Yes. So they're our main trio and they've got like certain things about them that you could you could drop in on like the third movie not knowing anything about the series other than it's set in the Harry Potter universe and you wouldn't be lost. That's what the series should have been.
0: Yes. I think that's a good spot to end it. Yeah. Because we've been going for an hour 20 minutes and my computer is at 15%.
1: Oh, you didn't have your charger plugged in? No. Plebe
0: yeah I guess so. that's true. um yeah, I think unless there's any other little things you want to add
1: uh unless we want to add in some stuff tomorrow because I'm gonna be free and bored and I'm, drunk
0: i'm I'm not gonna be free tomorrow. Okay. I could send you the episode to edit
1: <laughs> oh, I'd be bad at editing because I got more to talk about, but like I don't know, we do some special where we've got like all day to talk about this.
0: God, I don't want to. I know you like your six hour podcasts, but I don't think I have the stamina to put out something that long.
1: A two hour podcast?
0: I think you just need to get on your own Harry Potter podcast. <sighs> you need to find local embittered Harry Potter fans and make, <laughs> make the Bitchy Muggle podcast.
1: <laughs> Where we talk about fanfic and head cannons. And how this series has gone down the drain. All because people started worshipping J.K. Rowling like a god empress.
0: Yeah, I don't trust like that. Yeah. Uh, And where can people find you on the internet, Lindsay?
1: I'm at Lindsay476 on Twitter. From there you can get to all of my other social media bullshits. Check out my Pinterest. Um,
0: No, it is probably a good thing that Jackie didn't show up on this episode or this would be a four hour long podcast. (laughs)
1: We would be competing with Dan Cartlin for length. <laughs> Man, I would love to get on a hardcore history at addendum someday. Yeah. But I'd actually have to publish something.
0: This is also true. Yeah. You'll get there. Yeah. You're a history major, it's your only career opportunity, anyways. No <laughs> shade.
1: Well, what can you do, English major? Speak. <laughs> 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 anyway tanner where can people find you
0: uh you can find me on twitter at sparky upstart and
1: you also have an instagram right
0: oh yeah i do have an instagram um i don't know what it is <laughs> hang on
1: i think it's the same as your twitter
0: it probably is
1: look they're all linked together
0: i'm just i think i'm just tanner vogel saying oh no i'm sparky young upstart on instagram Okay. Uh, Lindsay tanner do you want a hint for next week yes bah humbug oh. actually no that's too strong
1: yeah <laughs> i already know
0: do you do you Lindsay? do you i don't think you do
1: tanner i haven't slept in about two days <laughs> i'm not Lindsay, gonna i don't
0: think you're ready for this cranberry jelly okay <laughs> okay bye, bye.
1: version of this whole Dumbledore Grindelwald thing in a TV show would have been so yeah Grindelwald's back they were
0: on a break (laughs) 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 so anyway drink some wine